Morning, everyone. Lovely to see you. Right then, new series, The Life of Gideon. Let me just give you a little bit of an introduction to this series. Uh, in the history of Israel, um, Abraham, the father of the Israelite nation, the Jewish nation, which God brought into the earth, and they became the community of God's people, the faith who brought us Jesus, and now we've been adopted into that community of being God's people through faith in Jesus. And they went on a journey and a history, and they went down to Egypt, as we looked at that, didn't we? And they were oppressed by the Egyptians and the Pharaoh, and God released them, and then they brought them into the promised land, and now they're doing their thing, following God. But in periods of their time in their history, they turned away from God into idolatry, and they started worshiping stuff and uh, idols rather than trusting in God, who we can't see but has given us his word and his guidance. And whenever this happened, it all went pear-shaped for Israel, and the enemies in the surrounding nation always began to oppress them and overcome them. And this was a season... This is what was happening in um, Israel's history at different parts and different times. And God raised up leaders that the Bible calls judges. And they're not like judges now where you go to court and they wear a curly wig and smack a hammer and say you're guilty. They're judges to bring leadership. And, there were num and some of them will be familiar to you, like Samson was a, a leader. And Deborah, the prophet S, was a leader in the history of Israel. And now we're going, and in our series today, we're going to look at Gideon as a leader, as a judge, but not as a judge as we would know it, but a leader to deliver Israel out of the hands of the enemy and bring Israel back to true worship and true obedience and faith in God. Okay, so that's where we are. So here's the, history, here's the, the background. So let's have the first slide up. Oh, and the title of this talk <laughs> is As a Man Thinks or As a Person Thinks, So He or She Acts. And I want you to hold that in your mind as we go through this. So in other words, as I think, the thoughts I possess, the things that I think about, the perspectives that I have will determine the way that I live. Okay. Let's look at this. First slide. Okay. So, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them over into the hands of the Midianites. And because of the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountains, the, clay, uh, the clefts and caves, and the strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Alkites, and the Marmites, and all the other eastern people... in there's only one person who picked up that. You do have to listen. <laughs> Thank you, Kieran. Um, the Alukites and the other eastern peoples invaded the country. So they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither the sheep nor the cattle nor the, do the donkeys. This, so this was really bad. Okay, so Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak where Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord. They're ever so polite in the Old Testament. Pardon me, Lord. Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in the whole of the family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this strength and save Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. Okay, so here's the first thing. What defines you determines your destiny. What defines who you are, what you are, will determine not only who you become, but the outcome of your life. That's where it all starts. As a man thinks, or as a person thinks, so they act. And God had a destiny for Gideon in mind. And that destiny wasn't the pit of where he was, because there he was, he was in a wine pit, threshing the weak in fear and in hiding from the oppressive power of the surrounding nations, because if they saw them, they would get him, they would kill him, they would take the wine, and he was, high, he was doing the job of producing bread for his family and his surrounding areas, but he was doing it secretly and he was hiding. Now, the pit was not the destiny that God had Midian. He didn't want him to remain in that pit of defeat and fear or oppression. And that's what he was experiencing. His family were experiencing all around him. So the Lord appeared to Gideon because he had a destiny in mind for Gideon and the nation. And he said, the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord turned around to him and says, go in this strength you have and save Israel out of the Midianites. Am, am I not sending you? He had a destiny of freedom, victory for him and his people. And whether Gideon or not stayed in that pit, or whether the Israelites had the victory and the freedom that God had destined and intended for them, was all dependent upon how Gideon saw himself. If he was going to see himself as, I can't do this, I'm not up to it, who am I? I'm rubbish, I'm weak, I don't have what it takes. If he was going to see himself through those eyes, he would always remain in that pit. It would affect his destiny and it would affect the whole of the Israelite community. How you and I see ourselves matter. It really matters in the way that we think because it forms the people that we become and that informs the things that we do and how we live our lives. And there's basically, it boils down to two choices. How God sees you or how I view myself. And my view of myself or your view of yourself can be shaped and formed by a multitude of different things. Our upbringing, the culture, the environment, what people say about us, what our mum and dad say about us, what our brothers and sisters say about us, what our friends say about us in the playground at junior school, primary school, senior school, what our teachers say about us, how we compare ourselves to other people on Instagram or Facebook and their idealistic 
unrealistic life or world, but we think it's real, then it's a far cry from who we are, and we take it on board, and we allow it to shape our confidence and self-image and self-perception. There's a whole gamut of things that shape us into thinking the way we think about ourselves that determines the way we are that, over, that actually determines our outcome. But when it all boils down to it, there's only two views we have adopted. We either take it and say, this is my view that I'm going to own my, for myself, shaped by a multitude of different things, or... We take on God's view of what he says about you. It's, it's as simple as that. Who are you going to believe? What are you going to believe about yourself? Gideon says, after the Lord says to him, you're a mighty warrior and you can deliver not only yourself, your family, but your nation from the oppressive. And these enemies, they were, they were nations that were oppressing Israel. And they were Thousands upon thousands of warriors. And he was just one. No wonder Gideon says, pardon me, Lord. <laughs> Are you for real? Pardon me, Lord. He replied, how can I save Israel? Because my clan, my family, my tribe is the smallest and the weakest in the whole of Israel. And my family is the smallest. And I'm the smallest, the most insignificant of everybody, you must have got it wrong because he had such an opinion of himself. He was looking at his family line, his lineage, status, position, power, very small. And he is assessing his ability in the light of the magnitude of the task, in the, ma in the light of the magnitude of Gideon's um, the Midianite army. When I... Um, first became a Christian, and uh, I, my confidence was really low. I know people find this hard to believe, that I was a really, really shy person. I can remember, because uh, I didn't enjoy school very much, I can remember uh, do, uh, being invited to go and take a school assembly. I hadn't been a Christian very long, and somebody who did school assemblies and told kids about Jesus in school uh, took me in, and before the assembly started, I was in the head teacher's office. And uh, it's just like a primary school. And I, I felt so shy. I can remember I, I never said a word to her, the, the head teacher. And she turned to the, the fellow who was trying to mentor me and take me and She said, very quiet, isn't he? <laughs> and she was a bit worried if I were to take an assembly that there would be a riot in the school because I wouldn't I would have control of them. And I know the teachers in the room would probably think, oh, yeah, I, I know what that's like. Very shy. And I was very shy. I can remember when the first time I used to go to a youth group in the church I went to, and I was in my just a 20-year-old kid, and they did this terrible thing. I, it was terrible. I hated it when they did it. They weren't sitting in rows. They said, okay, after a period of time of singing, they would say, let's all put our chairs in a circle. And so you were facing people. And I, I, I was so shy, I felt like everybody was just looking at me. And I was thinking, oh, I hope they don't ask me to say anything. I can remember they would say, oh, let's all pray. And the thought of praying out loud in front of all of these kids, they're all my age, but the thought of praying out loud was almost traumatic because I was so, so shy, really shy, because that was the image and the view I had about myself. 
And Gideon had a view about himself that was limiting him and what God wanted to do through him. I had a view about myself that was limiting me. Maybe you have a view about yourself. But God wants to reorientate it in your thinking that will change who you are, that will actually release a potential in you that you never even knew you had, that you may fulfill a greater destiny, not just for the good of your own life, but the benefit of others as well. Because God didn't want Gideon in this pit of fear, doubt, and limited thinking. Gideon was focusing on the wrong things. And we've had some wonderful reminders of focusing on the right. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. That's what you started with. The kids spot. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. I don't know if you knew what I was preaching about this morning. No, you didn't. Uh, but there's a theme coming through. He was focusing on who he thought he was rather than what God said about him. Let me tell you one thing. God's view of you is far higher than your view of yourself. That is true. We sometimes think that God has got a very miserable view of ourselves because we go through life and it can be tough and it can cause us to have a miserable view of ourselves because of our experience. And then we project that upon God. We think, well, all my life I've been living with a kind of second view class view of myself and a miserable, I'm not very good at this, I'm not very good at that, I messed that up, I failed that, that didn't work out. So, oh, you're much better than I am, you're better this, whether it's sport, education, school, talent, whatever, we're always comparing looks, whatever it is, whatever it is we're always comparing. We end up going through life with forming this, this, this mis kind of miserable view of ourselves. But look, God doesn't see you like that. He doesn't have a miserable view of you. He has an amazing view of you. And his view of you is far higher than you imagine. Why? Because you are made in his image. He says, let us make man in our image that they may rule, that they may do great things. I'm going to give them stuff to do. I'm going to delegate authority to them. I'm going to give them tasks, and they're going to help me rule the world. And the reason he made you is that you could help him rule the world. He didn't want to do it alone. He wants to do it through you, his people. He's got a high view of, let's make man in our image. And when he looks at you, he says, you know, you're the chip of the old block. He's got a very high view of you because he, you remind him of himself. Let us make man in our image in his likeness, he made them male and female. Yes, you remind God of himself because he's put something of his image in you. Now, let's take, for example, it's tempting to think that God has a high view of angels, a higher view of angels than you because we think angels are awesome. These amazing, holy, brilliant spiritual beings. And the psalmist said, David, who had a good view, he says, oh, what is man that you're mindful of him? You made him little lower of the angels, but you put everything under mankind's feet to rule. Isn't that amazing? He has, in this strange world, although angels are more spiritually powerful, actually he has given greater responsibility to you because angels aren't made in God's image. Angels are cool, <laughs> but they're not made in God's image. You are. You're the only thing on the planet that's made in the likeness of God. You're the only thing in all creation. Yes, you, sitting on the seat. Nothing else compares to you. He's got a very high view of you. And he sees your potential. He sees the potential you don't even see in yourself. He sees the potential that everybody else has missed. 
He sees who you are and what you can do. And his power and presence is with you. When the moment you give your life to Christ, he says, I'm with you, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. My presence and power is with you. And he wants to create in you and call you to be and create in you everything that you can be. So God saw Gideon as a mighty warrior. Was he acting like a mighty warrior when God called him? No, he was acting in the winepress of defeat and fear and oppression. He wasn't acting like a mighty warrior at all. But God says this. He didn't call him how he was acting. He called him how he saw him. He says, hello, mighty warrior. And no one, I think, no, you you need 52. I'm 53 in the house. 52 Gideon Gardens is up there. He's a mighty warrior, not me. No, no, I I haven't got the address wrong. You're a mighty warrior, but he wasn't acting like one. And God and Gideon went on a journey of change that he actually began to learn how to think like a mighty warrior and then act like a mighty warrior and become a mighty warrior. And this is how God works in your life and my way. It's consistent. The first thing he does, he, he addresses us and gives us what we call a position in Christ. So in other words, we might not be living that out yet, like Gideon wasn't, but in God's eyes, he considers us to be of a certain place and a certain position. Let me give you an example. It says this, he who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin on the cross, took all of our sin on the cross, so he became as sin itself for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, let me tell you what that means in everyday speak. Jesus, who never sinned, took all your sin on the cross so that when God looks at you because of your faith in Christ, he considers you to be as righteous as God himself. (laughs) That is a positional statement. Because you know that you are not as righteous as God. Right? I know that. I know I'm not as righteous as God. But when God looks at you, he sees you, because of our faith in Christ, as righteous as God himself. Let me, give, let me quote the verse to you again, and now I've explained it. You might see it, and the penny might drop, and we might actually begin to think how God sees us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. There you go. It's a positional statement. Isn't that good news? Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) I'm overwhelmed with the joy and the happiness. It's amazing. Now, the thing that causes us to have, you know, a certain response is, is it, we might not believe it. Mighty warrior, get out of here. I'm not a mighty warrior. You are a mighty No, I'm not. Mighty warrior, you've got the wrong house. Yep, you've got the wrong family. One man, the weaker. I'm just, no way. Think again. You got it wrong. We, it's a matter of believing what God says for us to go on this journey. Now, this is, this is a, a journey that we all have to go. Think of a Peter, Jesus' apostle, very famous apostle. 
when Jesus called Peter after performing an amazing miracle of the great catch of fish. Remember, he fished all night and caught nothing. He says, cast your nets on the other side, and they did that, and the, the nets were so full of fish at first. When Jesus saw this, Peter saw this miracle, he fell on his knees, and he said to Jesus, oh, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You see yourself as a sinful man. I see yourself as one of my followers, one of my great apostles, one of my history changers, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And see that great catch? That's nothing but what you're going to bring into the kingdom of God. You see yourself as a sinful man. You say, get away from me, Jesus. I'm not worthy of you. There's no way I can do this. I can't even follow you. I don't even want to be near you. And I can't think why you would want to spend a moment of your time with me. And Jesus has nothing. He doesn't even refer to it. He says, oh, what's that got to do with it? Follow me. I'm going to make you something because I see your potential. I don't see you like you see yourself. And then he, later on, he says to Peter, his, his first name is Maiden. His name that his mum and dad gave him was Simon, which means reed blowing in the wind. And he was a bit like all, a bit like that, Peter, all over the place. One minute he was full on, one minute he was running away, one minute he was blurting out, one minute he was getting it right. He was all over the place. And he says, you are Simon. That's the... That's the identity that you have been given, and that's the identity that you see of yourself. But I'm calling you Peter, which means rock. You see yourself as a, a wind all over the place, and, that's the, that's, and you're living out of that identity, and you, that's the way it is for you. But I see you as a rock, rock solid. No waving, rock solid. And he had a choice. And Jesus was taking Peter on a journey to decide what he was going to think of himself and who he was going to believe and how he was going to define himself and his identity. What he thought, what his past said, or what God said. Same for Gideon. This is the way God works with us. And the moment we give our lives to Christ, we turn to Christ and put our faith in him and become a devoted follower, choose to follow him, he gives us a new identity. And then God looks at you through the lens of Jesus. And that changes everything. So here's a great verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old identity is gone. The old is gone. Behold, the new is here. Now, <laughs> have you given your life to Christ? You have a brand new identity in God, and that's the way he sees you. If you haven't given your life to Christ, give your life to Christ. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ. The moment we give our life to Christ, we become God's creation. Oh, we were not now a product of our schooling. We're no longer a product of our, the handiwork of our mum and dad. We're no longer a handiwork of our strengths and our failures, our weakness of the things that we have done or even what the kids have said in the playground or whatever. We're no longer the product, the making, the formation of those things. We are the handiwork, the formation of God. The Greek word there is pottery. It's like a piece of pottery. It's a piece like a clay that he is shaping for his use and his purpose. And, and you, therefore, he says, you've been created or prepared by God 
for works that he has for you in advance. There's stuff he wants you to do. And he's saying, well, I'm going to take hold of you. I'm going to recreate you, remold you, new shape you so that you are fit for purpose. Who's, whose identity are you going to believe? Because your life and your purpose and destiny hangs on it. Isn't it fantastic? So you are righteous in Christ. You're a son and daughter of God in Christ. It says you're more than a conqueror in Christ. I don't feel like more than a conqueror. I, I can't even get over how grumpy I feel when I wake up too early in the morning. I don't feel more than a conqueror in every aspect of life. I don't feel like that. But that's what Gideon's reaction was. <laughs> no way. Oh, you're a laugh, you are. <laughs> that's, a fun, that's a good one. No, he was serious. You are a mighty warrior. You have victory. It says, thanks be to God who always lives, leads us in victory through Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God who always leads us in victory. I haven't got time to understand in fact, why, how, how God makes even Things that bad happen work out for our victory. But he's God, he, could, he does it in Christ. So here's the part we play. God has done everything he can. There's a part for us to play, and this is it. This is simply, this is, this is our side of the deal. This is it. Our part is to believe it and accept it, full stop. That's it. Oh, that was not so bad. Believe it and accept it. It's called faith. Faith, in view of God's mercy, says Romans chapter 12, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In the light of all this mercy, what, I'm righteous? I'm forgiven in your sight. I'm a conqueror in your sight. I've got victory in your sight. You're creating me as a, as a perfect piece of pottery and a vessel for you in your sight. And it's all free, and it's all because of mercy, and it's nothing because of what I don't deserve it. It's not because I'm good enough. It's all free because of, I've just believed Christ. That's mercy, 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 mercy. In view of this astonishing, unbelievable mercy, this is not of this world. No human would have thought of this. It's, what, it's divine. It's unique about the Christian faith. It's absolutely unique about it. This incredible mercy in view of God's mercy. Offer your bodies, your life. Get out of the pit, Gideon. Offer yourself to God. <laughs> He's going to do something for you. Get out of the pit. Offer your bodies as a holy sacrifice, which is pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And therefore, and there, here's, the, here's the key. Do not conform to the pattern of this world's or do not think like this world thinks. Don't be determined and dictated and defined by the world, by others. But you be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by thinking differently. You be renewed. You be changed. In you, your inner heart. You, in your character. You be changed. Oh, change myself? No, don't, drive. don't do that. Oh, <laughs> you can't change yourself. The Bible says, can a leopard change its spots? No. But God, by the power of his spirit, can change you. Well, what do I have to do for that to happen? Believe and accept. Fix your eyes upon Jesus and what he says about you. What God says to you through the lens of Jesus. Think, the, take hold of the definition of who you are from above. 
not from everything else around you. He says, be renewed by the renewal of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good, pleasing will, good and pleasing will, will. Then you'll be able to live out God's will for your life, and you'll discover it's good and pleasing and better. He thinks better than you. He thinks more highly of you than you think. And his plan and purpose for you is more highly and better than anything you could create or imagine in your own world. And we take it by faith. And in the light of God's mercy, we give ourselves to God and we think his thoughts about us. And then we are changed and we fulfill his destiny. And this is what Gideon had to learn to do. Learn to do. Learning is a progress. We do it over time. That's why the word says transformed. Transformed is something that takes over the period of time, but we learn to do it. So, just checking my time. Face ID. Work. I forgot to switch my timer on. How, in, how inconvenient for you. But how convenient for me. i still got 35 minutes left. Woohoo! Let me just land, as they say, land the plane. In order to, God is so gracious, he, he helped Gideon. He partners with you to learn how to change and adopt right thinking. And in order to do that, Gideon asked for some signs to help, and God gave them some signs over the course of time. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail with these because the other speakers will unpack them over the course of the time. But one, he says, if this is really you, wait there. And he goes and put a burnt offering. He comes back with an offering, some bread and meat and stuff. And then a fire comes out from the, from the presence of God and consumes the bread, made bread. And he thinks, gosh, that was clever. And it was a sign that, oh, this is really God. But, you know, it wasn't enough. You know, you're hearing this talk now. And right now in the moment, oh, this is great. And your, your faith and your mind, ooh. And then you go home and something will happen and it'll leak. So we have to, we, we, God works us over the period of time to reinforce these things because our minds tend to leak these truths like leaky buckets. So the next thing he says, he says, okay, if this is really you, same thing he says, if this is really you, I've already had one linking great miracle. If this is really you, I'm going to put a fleece out. That's a sheep, a sheep thing, skin. And if it's wet in the morning and all the ground is dry from the dew, uh, then I'll know it's you. And God does it. It's wet and dry. And he says, God, this is amazing. And then he goes, it's, he still hasn't, he's, it's still not enough, you see, because we have to look. And he says, okay, uh, please don't be angry with me. I know I'm pushing the boat out here. I'm probably trying your patience a bit. But can we reverse it? I mean, that was a good trick. <laughs> but if, it, if you can do it the other way around, you know, that I think I might be, get it, you know. And he says, well, can it be wet, the, the fleece be wet and the, dry be, and the ground be dry or whatever it was, the reversal of it? And God does the same thing. He reverses it. And, and, and you think after that, he'd still have enough to believe. And then God's, God's looking at him because he hasn't quite got this. So he says to Gideon, in slide 13, if you could put it up and I'll read it. And this is what Gideon said. Oh, During that night, this is after all these three signs, he says, if you are still afraid to attack... Go down to the camp and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. You'll get it. The penny will drop. 
So Gideon arrives, just as a man was telling a friend this dream. This is the enemy camp. He's sneaked outside now. He's listening. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. Now, why? it's in- interesting, you see. He was, he was threshing wheat for bread. So there's, he know. oh, this is a connection with, you know, it's like the fish thing. I'm a fish and all these fish. You know, it's the same connection. He knows this is God speaking to him in his language. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp, and it struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned the collapse and overturned the and collapsed. Maybe Gideon was a baker, you see. So it's oh, you know, some, the whole thing. His friend responded, "This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon. Um, God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands." When Gideon heard the dream. And its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped, and he returned to the camp and called out, right. So, so we see now Gideon is beginning to get it after a period of time, right? Now notice what happens in his attitude and his actions. From believing what God said, he believes it now. Notice the difference. Get up. The Lord's given the million type into your hands. Wow, that sounds like a leader, doesn't it? Dividing 300 men into three camps, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all his men with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. (laughs) This is a different man. Is this Gideon? This is a different man. Follow my lead. Oh, there you go. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly what I do. Can you see the confidence? Can you see the change? When I and When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, blow your trumpets and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and a hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp. They blew their trumpets, broke the jars that were in their hands, and three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Next slide. Grasping the torches in their left hand and holding in their right hand the trumpets, they blowed and shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And each man held his position Around the camp, you see, they held their position. They held their ground. And all the Midians ran, crying as they fled. And there was a great victory. And Israel was liberated for 20 years before they messed up again. And God had to raise another judge. But you see what happened. So here we go. When Gideon believed and accepted what God said about him when he went on the journey and had his mind renewed and began to think and define himself as God did, not himself. He had a great victory. Here's the thing. God has done everything for you to fulfill your destiny and all he desires for you. He has given you his promises and power. He says all the promises of God in the Bible are yes and amen for you who believe. Gosh, you could, they say this little phrase, you could camp out on that phrase for a year. All the promises of God are yes and amen for you who believe. There's a lot of great promises in the Bible. The problem is we've got to believe, right, for you who believe. The power is in a believing and adopting them into our lives. 
For he is not against you, he is for you. And he has gone before you. And it's now time to know what he says about you and learn to accept it and believe it and act in the light of it. So a man or woman thinks they act. This is not self-help. This is not positive thinking. This is to be transformed by God, the power of his spirit, into becoming the person he created to you to be and to act out the position that he sees you in Christ so we can live as he's called you to live. This is how it works. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the lesson of Gideon and that it's a wonderful example of how you just changed a man's life into becoming a blessing to himself, his family, and others around him just through helping him to think like you think, for your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways and you don't view us and see us as we see ourselves or how the world causes us to define ourselves. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will now breathe upon our minds and you will set our hearts in a direction of travel that we may learn to discover what you think about us and through grace, we may appropriate that by faith and that it, you will transform us into becoming all that we are. All that we are, you will transform us into that. In Jesus' name, amen.